The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every single month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. Hostages. Heroes. And a peace treaty? Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery continues to take us literally where no Star Trek show has gone before. Last week, Discovery headed to the Veruban Nebula to rescue the lone survivor of that Kelpian ship, and then got commandeered by the Emerald Chain. And this week, what'll happen when Michael goes all John McClane against Osira and her band of regulators? Well, let's find out. Welcome aboard, everyone. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome one and all to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. Last week we saw the human side of Saru literally as he, Culber, and Burnham looked for the lone survivor, and while on the planet the Discovery was taken over by Osira and the Emerald Chain and spore jumped towards Federation headquarters. This week Burnham and Book have a plan to take back the ship while Osira has plans of her own, which she brings to Admiral Vance. As always, this is the premier podcast for the most in-depth discussion and analysis about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery entitled There is a Tide, and this penultimate episode of Season 3 is setting up for what is sure to be an epic season finale. And here to help me break down all the amazing things that happened in this episode is the one person that I would trust to be my negotiator in peace talks. But listening to Admiral Vance talk about where their replicated apples come from makes me wonder if I'll ever go back to his house for dinner again. As always, he is my very special friend, my brother in Trek, and my amazing number one. He is Bill Smith, and Bill, bon appetit, buddy. Mmm, yummy. <laughs> that apple tastes a little bit nutty, doesn't it? <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't pass it up. I couldn't pass it up. Couldn't pass it out either. Okay. You know, I got to get this out of the way now. because So in the Patreon section before the, this recorded episode, we were talking about Michael McDonald. And every time I hear you mention the regulators, all I can think of is Warren G and Nate Dogg singing Regulate. So I'm going to leave that with listeners, perhaps okay. as an earworm for later. But uh, Dan... It's good to be here. It's good to talk about this episode, and I'm looking forward to kicking this one off. Yeah, it's going to be a great discussion, as it is every single week. It's been a pretty awesome season three of Discovery. But one thing that always makes it just a little more awesome, buddy, is that we have a very special person back with us this week. Yeah, don't we? We do. Not only, Dan, is there a Tide, there is also a third co-host for this week's Discovering Trek, and it is none other than the lovely and talented Casey Shafsky, who rejoins us this week. Casey, uh, good to have you back, buddy, for this uh, next-to-last episode of the season, because that's what penultimate means. Oh, well, I'm glad you said it, because I can't, and it's wonderful (laughs) to be back here with you two strapping young men. It's always good to have you here, man. It's going to be a fun conversation. There were lots of cool things happening in this episode. Everybody's already calling it Die Hard and Star Trek, um, and we'll get into that later. But before we do that, uh, Bill, we always want to hear from our listeners about their thoughts on everything Discovery. Uh, so how can they get in touch with us for their thoughts on There Is a Tide? Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. 
Well, if you're looking to get in touch with us, there are a bunch of ways you can let us know what you think about this penultimate episode of Discovery's third season. Of course, you can go to trekgeeks.com slash contact and find a veritable plethora of ways to get us your thoughts. And of course, on Twitter or Facebook, all you have to do is search for Discovering Trek. We welcome all of your comments and questions and your looks ahead to the future. You can also leave us a voicemail by visiting our website at trekgeeks.com and clicking on the big blue button on the right-hand side. Please remember, though, that any comments you leave us might be used in a future episode of the aforementioned Discovering Trek. Daniel. Very interesting. Thank you, Bill. Black alert. Black alert. From here on in, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers. So if you haven't watched episode 12 of Star Trek Discovery Season 3, stop listening right now. Head on over to CBS All Access or wherever you watch Discovery. Watch the latest episode, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details, for there is a tide. Episode 312 of Star Trek Discovery, There is a Tide, is written by Kenneth Lynn and directed by Jonathan Frakes. After capturing the USS Discovery, Osiris seeks a meeting with Admiral Vance, while Burnham and the crew must overcome unimaginable odds as they attempt to regain command of their ship. Originally released on December 31st, 2020, it is the 12th episode of Star Trek Discovery's third season. Trainees, to the briefing room. Okay, gentlemen, here we are gathering in the briefing room, as we do every single week to discuss the episode. First of all, though, let's get a uh, high-level thumbs up, thumbs down, and why, and we'll start with you, Casey. Oh, definitely a thumbs up. I, I thought this episode did a very fine job of continuing to build the tension that's going to be needed for next week's finale. Bill, what do you think, man? Uh, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I didn't love it, but I thought that some of the really amazing moments overshadowed some of the ones that were really where to, uh, there to lay the groundwork for next week. Yeah, I gave it a thumbs up as well. There were some amazing emotional moments in this episode. Some of it, as we'll get into, and we'll start off with our discussion in just a moment about the whole diehard in space aspect, kind of took me out of it a little bit. But I also had fun with it at the same time. So three thumbs up. Um, I really think there's only been one episode this year that people have given a complete thumbs down to so far. Uh, there's only one that we as a dais has gi- have given yeah. a thumbs down to. I've gi- I have thumbs down two episodes. Okay. Well, you know, there's room for improvement on that then. There is. I'll, I'm looking forward <laughs> to next season already. <laughs> All right. So here we are to talk about the episode. Great Great moments in the episode, like I said a moment ago, but let's get it out of the way first. And a lot of people online, we've even talked about it ourselves, that it was kind of a diehard in space. We had very similar aspects in this episode to what Bruce Willis was doing in the movie Die Hard as John McClane, all the way down to crawling through Jeffrey's tubes or air vents with bare feet. So, Bill, do you think that took away or added to the episode? Um, I, I don't think it did either. Okay. I think it was a fine homage to Die Hard and probably mm-hmm. the truest one we've had yet. We have had dozens of episodes in 800 episodes of Star Trek. Uh, by the way, this being the 800th produced episode of Star Trek. Pretty cool. Um, where the ship has been taken over and the crew has had to retake command. Um, Starship Mine from the next generation has largely been called Die Hard in Space for 30 years because it is. 
uh, Patrick Stewart's Jean-Luc Picard does much the same thing um, in evading his captors. So the fact that this one is such a blatant homage to Die Hard just makes my little heart happy because <laughs> I thought that Frakes nailed it right down to uh, Michael Burnham being barefoot at one point. I thought it was beautiful. It was actually something that I laughed out loud at when it happened because we had, I had already heard about the you know the references to Die Hard in it and the crawling around in Jeffrey Stoop, but I did not know about the barefoot scene. And so when her boots fell off, I just laughed out loud. I thought that was pretty funny, Casey. What do you think? Ah, oh, it was it was. If you love Die Hard, I think you would love this. And it was a nice, like you're saying, a nice a nice little a tweak and change to throw in there and, and see a different side of Burnham's personality. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm expecting her to say, yippee-ki-yay, mother phaser. I mean, <laughs> something like that. And it was just, I, I dug it. Come yeah. on. Die Hard, one of the best Christmas movies ever, by the way. Ever. Absolutely. I, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, is, is, is one of my favorites. I loved it. I, I don't think it took away anything. I don't think it added anything. But, Bill, I did like what you said, that it, it, it was a great homage to a great film. So I, I can definitely uh, agree with you there. One of the things that I did like it, the whole uh, aspect of the Die Hard in Space, was, is in this episode for me, Zara coming back was kind of the Hans Gruber of the episode. And I said all the way back in week two when we were talking about the, the episode that he was in, they should have killed him. I said to my wife, I said, he's coming back and it's not going to be pleasant when he comes back. And sure enough, here he is causing a whole lot of trouble, Bill. Uh, he is, but I don't, I still don't think that Zara is enough of a weighty villain to be the Hans Gruber type. Hans Gruber mm-hmm. was the mastermind. Hans Gruber was, you know, the guy working everything behind the scenes and the, ma- uh, the, the he was the master of the entire plan. That's not Zara. Uh, oh, I, I Zara totally is a bit of a paper that. tiger and yeah. I, I, I still don't like this character. My, my take on, on him being like Hans Gruber was he was the guy talking into the walkie-talkie to, to Michael, sort of like what Hans was doing to McLean. Uh, he was, you know, giving them, he was sending out the messages. No, no, definitely. Alan Rickman's performance as Hans Gruber, hands down, is way better. He's, Zara is not a strong character. No. Mm-hmm. But I did like what he did in this episode, kind of being that antagonist to Michael as she was going around the Jeffrey's tubes. Dan, Booby, I'm Booby. your white knight. <laughs> 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 no, I, I agree with that. I mean, it couldn't, I, I, although I do think Osira would have been better. Osira was otherwise occupied. Um, with Admiral Vance. Mm -hmm. So it it couldn't have been Osira as much as I think that would have made more sense, honestly. Casey, what do you think? You agree? Yeah, absolutely. He's he's still too... Too thin of a character, or I just go, I'm not intimidated by you. And, I mean, more... What I want to know is, you know, how did his blackened hand all of a sudden get that glove for the rest of the episode? And I was like, okay, um... Yeah, he's not Hans Gruber. He's he's not that smart. He's like henchman number four. Oh, number four, all the way down to number four. Like, Ooh, he, he's yeah. the guy sitting in the chair with a with the shirt that says, "Now I have a gun." Ho ho ho. <laughs> the oh. dead guy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, th- I think he'll be yeah. dead next week. I'm just going to say that right now. It's not part of my long range scan at all. Okay, so we get that part out. Let's talk about what I thought was the most amazing moment or reveal in this episode that I got to give credit to everybody involved in Star Trek Discovery. This didn't get leaked 
that I saw anywhere online, and that is the return of the one and only Ken Mitchell to Star Trek Discovery. What a great, great moment for him to show up. Great character, conflict. I thought it was just brilliant. Casey, what do you think? I think that was something that was incredibly well done. Um, earlier this year, like I heard rumors and stuff that they were saying, you know, there was a certain guest actor that had come on that they needed to rearrange schedules around a little bit for. Mm-hmm. Um, and wasn't, you know, wanting to do or able to do 12, 13, 14 hour days. And so I kept wondering, and when we hit Garden, uh, Guardian of Forever, I'm like, oh, maybe are we getting a particular person, a guy or a gal on that? Um, and to see him basically crush another, another role was just like, this guy's money. He's money in the bank. He is absolutely, and people have asked online, and I, I haven't actually had a chance to look it up. Is this does 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 he now have the record of playing the most different characters on the same series? This is now what his fourth or fifth character that he's played, Bill in Discovery, and as uh, Aurelio, he he nailed it. I think it's his fourth. He's played three Klingons, and now and now this human. Yeah, this this humanoid type person. Um, I don't know if he holds the record because Von Armstrong has been everywhere. Well, that's true. And done everything. So mm. um, Jeff Combs may come in a close second. Um, it's, it's hard to say, but I, you know, I, I had no idea Ken Mitchell was going to be in this episode. And uh, you know, I'm watching the episode as I normally do, and we get to that scene in the engineering lab, and there he is, and literally tears filled my eyes because the producers and the writing team at Star Trek found a way to integrate him that not only made sense, but it made an incredible statement and they gave his character incredible words, which I thought were fantastic. It it totally spoke to Star Trek. And, uh, you know, we saw Ken Mitchell in, in Vegas the year before last and what a great, great guy he was. It's, it's good to know that his face is now immortalized in Star Trek and, you know, beyond the Klingon mm. faces he's had, because I think that, that not only did he deserve it, like you said, Dan, he just, he knocked it out of the park. He really did. You, you could see, I loved watching his change happen right before our eyes in this episode of, he was very, you know, sure of himself and what Osira was doing and he, and he believed in what was going on. But then when Stamet showed him exactly what Osira was like and what the Emerald Chain was doing, you could see it in his face physically change. And, and especially on the bridge with Rin, which we'll get into later on, He's going to play a major role in next week's finale, I think. And I really hope that he plays a major role going forward and he is a regular in season four, Casey. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, You know, if that's a possibility, that would be pretty damn cool. I think for many story reasons that could open things up. Um, And I, I don't know. I just keep being in awe of people's human abilities of what they can do and the talents that they have and and the art that that comes from them and you know this guy this guy has it and hats off to everybody for including him in this season one of the things i thought was really great is i I remember when he made the announcement um of him having lou gehrig's disease and that he was in a chair in on the cruise and I was crushed. Yeah. I mean, just, you just, you just, 
you couldn't help but feel for the guy and he doesn't want the pity and i'm not going to give him pity i just crushed because he, he did he was so great in the roles and then to have him play this character who gets who was able to be so successful in the face of adversity with this um disability and talked about how he should not have even been around they he, i think mm-hmm. i believe he talked mm-hmm. about how his uh, he didn't think that his parents would have have, have even let him survive but osira um uh, took him in it just goes to show that that heart of star trek lives perfectly in this character and i really really hope that they uh, continue along with him in the future one of the other things that i thought was great guys uh, of course oh, well i guess not great but a great performance and a great final performance was that of rin i gotta say though uh oh that death was so quick, I almost didn't see it. If you blinked, you would have missed it because it was mm-hmm. so quick. I mean, you know, the tension was there on the bridge, Bill, and and you knew that something bad was going to happen. But literally, she pointed the gun at him, pulled it away, and then boom, gone. And it was like a fast disintegration. Oh, it really was. You know, I was kind of hoping that they would find a way to work Rin in semi-regularly, kind of the, the way they do with uh, the Jet Reno character. Um, because I think that would have been an interesting addition to this crew. Much like Voyager picked up Neelix and Kess and then eventually picked up Seven and then the Borg kids, I thought that he could have added something to the Discovery crew's knowledge of the 31st century yep. and of, of you know these sort of uncertain times and how some of these cultures have changed. Um, when that happened, he was essentially just vaporized right mm-hmm. in front of our eyes. I, I, I literally almost spit out my water like, what? What was that? Yeah. Exactly. Um, but it, it proves how really volatile Osira is, I think. I think that she can turn on a dime at any given point, and you can think you're safe, and then the next thing you know, you're dead. And I think that's what makes Osira so formidable an adversary. My opinion of her has changed exponentially over the yes. last mm-hmm. few weeks. Yes. The first time I'm like, this is she's this is this is a joke villain. I don't I have no concern for her at all. Now I'm pretty concerned about her um but one of the things i thought was interesting casey i want to get your take on it was i found it interesting that that gun vaporized him as well as it did because in that episode where zara first appeared in the the bar episode as we call it um he's you know you know firing a weapon on that poor poor soul for several seconds before the hole burns in his chest and then she's then he's hitting philippa with it and she's just laughing it off so obviously it's got Different power settings, all yeah. the way from I'm going to mildly annoy you, Philippa Giorgio, to I'm going to vaporize you instantly, Rin. Yeah, I think I think it goes from like you know beige toast setting to molten lava hot pocket setting, and just bang. Um, I agree with Bill. I I think that death had to be quick and brutal to give weight and to show everybody on the bridge and someone who normally isn't on the bridge of any starship type of thing of what she is actually and of the, you know, Hey, you're, you're going to see the sausage getting made and, um, you know, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how, how things go with that character. We'll get into Osara in a few minutes, but one other thing I wanted to say about Rin, which I think both of you will agree with, uh, Noah Averback Katz was phenomenal in this yeah. role. He has lived every Star Trek fan's dream mm, playing this right. role as a huge fan. Of course, Mary Wiseman's husband. Uh, how awesome uh, did he do? I mean, he he fell right. right into the role, and every time we saw him, he really contributed to the to the season. So I got to congratulate him for that. 
it was amazing. This small of a role, and that I think everybody that I know of took took to the character immediately. Yeah. And what he was given to work with to actually care about this character. And so when when he is killed, it's like, oh crap. Yeah. It's one of the real gems in this third season of Discovery is the Rin character. You know, we had no idea where we were going to see him again after the uh after the episode where he's liberated from the prison camp. And and then he keeps turning up and then he he became such a, a fundamental part of this season that uh, the moment he was vaporized, I felt this innate sense of loss. So that, that says a lot about Noah's performance. It says a lot about the writing for the character, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, definitely, I that's a character I wish we could have around. Maybe we'll find out that Rin had a twin brother. At least I'm hoping so. <laughs> or the Guardian might show up again. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. You never know. <laughs> hey. Yeah. So we got two more things I wanted to talk about for this week's episode, and, and both of them are, are pretty big. And uh, let's start with Stamets versus Burnham. I got to say... Those scenes were gut punches. Yeah. And I can't say I disagree with what Stamets was saying, especially when he was yelling at her because they all followed her to the future. And this is how you repay us. I thought that those sta- that those mm-hmm. scenes uh, with Sonequa and Anthony Rapp, Casey, were some of the best. I think they're the best we've seen Anthony Rapp since Discovery started and maybe some of the, the best with the two of them together. I, I hear you on that. I mean, it was incredibly strong, incredibly emotional and deep. Um, and and given an opportunity for all of us to see how Burnham's character has changed. Because I, I really think maybe a season, season and a half ago, she might have uh, backed off from what she knew had to be done. But this is where she's talked about it before of making the hard decisions where, you know, someone may die or bad things are going to happen, but that bad thing has to happen. So others don't. And the two of them together, man, that was electric. I have to say, Bill, that even maybe earlier this season, she might've made a different decision. We've seen her make decisions for her personal reasons over those of Starfleet earlier this season, but this time it's completely reversed. She's putting aside her personal reasons and only focusing on what Starfleet needs. Starfleet needs here, and the scene it just it worked on so many levels. Oh, it it does. It's it it's the word I keep coming back to is visceral, because I feel every emotion Stamets has in that scene. I have to say my hat's off to Anthony Rapp this week. Um, and Dan, you're going to have to get ready to bleep me here because his, <laughs> his delivery in those scenes was fucking amazing. It was nothing short of awesome. I felt what his character felt. I knew the loss his character was being set up for. And honestly, I, I, I empathize with him. If I were in his shoes, I would do the exact same thing because I wouldn't want to lose everything a second time. Now, ultimately, Burnham does the only thing that's possible. They can't destroy the Discovery. Uh, they tried that last season. It didn't work out so well. Mm-hmm. The sphere data is not going to let them do it. So she neutralized you know, the, the larger threat by getting Stamets off the ship, which I thought was brilliant. And I loved the way they did it. But man, how gut-wrenching as you're waiting for that phaser to overload and Stamets is, is yelling through the glass at her. It's, I understand why she's crying. Uh, because I had tears in my eyes too. It makes me wonder if this relationship is so fractured that it might take a long, long time to salvage. 
it's I am certain that uh, there's going to be issues with it uh, next season. My whole life is in that nebula. It might be the mm-hmm. best oh, line that right? Stamets has ever uttered in Star Trek Discovery, it, Casey. Yeah. Was, oh. it's, it's, it tells you everything right there. And he's completely laid bare. And she and she's you know Burnham's with him, but but boy that that little that change where after he's you know ejected from the ship, and she's kind of crying and then she steals herself. I mean that is like, oh this this is absolutely awful what I had to do. I had to do it. Was really strong and I think what you guys are saying or choose. Uh, Next season, there's there's going to be some discussions. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Hey, uh, hey Bill, uh, human Vulcan nerve pinch. That's all I'm going to say. Number two in Star Trek yeah. Discovery. Um, <laughs> that's, that's pretty well, good. Neither time did it work out so well. No, um, not at all. Because obviously it happened in uh, in Discovery's two-part season premiere, or series mm-hmm. premiere, um, uh, the Vulcan Hello and uh, Battle of the Binary Stars. I think it right. was in Vulcan Hello. Yeah, I believe so. At the very end. And that what happens here, and both times it leads to some pretty significant consequences for Michael Burnham. Um, but in this case, it was the absolute right call. It, it was the right call. I, I also have to say that in addition to the conversations with Stamets and, and Michael, the conversations that Anthony Rapp had with, with Ken Mitchell's character were awesome too. Oh yeah. He, he this was just this was the the Anthony Rap episode for me in terms of of what he contributed here. Um I thought it was great the realization when he, the look on his face when he realized that Adira was back on the dilithium planet and was you know facing death from the radiation. It was just it was just absolutely stellar and and I I don't know what else to say about it but Bill I'm going to go on the record here and I'm a little note to Michelle Paradise there has not been enough Anthony Rapp this season and believe me I'm counting. Um I if if we could consistently get the kind of scenes that that Anthony were given this week although I'm sure he's loved every moment of this season and I have too. Um I love that character so much that I want to see weighty things like this. And um, this was just, these scenes were were the reason why I want to see them. Absolutely. Uh, And of course, one of the last things that I wanted to talk about for this week's episode was the meeting, finally, between Admiral Vance and Osira and her surprise, I want to make peace with the Federation meeting. Now, the whole time this thing is going, I'm like, he can't be this stupid, Kenny. He? He's not this stupid, is he? He's really not going to fall for this, is he? <laughs> but I, but I gotta say, those scenes, except for the the lie detector guy, which we can talk about afterwards, I really thought the chemistry between those two actors was really strong, and I actually find my found myself liking the discussion the longer it went on, even though it, some people did say it tended to to kind of stretch out things a little bit too much. Bill, what do you think? Um, I, I don't think it stretched it out too much. I, I thought that it laid some really good necessary groundwork. I mean, I, I don't believe that this was ever really a thing. Um, I think that this was Osiris Trojan horse to some extent. I think that she wanted to make Vance and the Federation believe that, that they were negotiating for something real because Vance as much said himself, he, he wants some kind of, you know, peace with the, with the chain. And so Starfleet would, and the Federation would be very interested, but this was all part of a plan. It's all part of a grander plan. And, um, I, I'm glad that eventually, you know, she had to show her whole card, honestly. And, uh, and it, it cost her. 
Casey, I was I was wondering how long those scenes actually took in real time because that did not look like a small document that Vance decided to sit down and read. Um, and yeah. I also found it very interesting that Vance was willing to even read it in its entirety without having any type of input on the Federation side. Well, I, I, watching those scenes, I kept going, I'm not sure what Vance is doing is what we're seeing him do. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been a play for him of, you know, she she snuck basically into our area. I'm I'm going to take as much time as I can here to see if or when she'll crack. Um, so I'm so hey, I'm going to read this whole document, and she's like, oh, fine, and it's like, oh, really? Okay, Apple. we'll find out how long. And yeah, it's a pretty good for a Shih Tzu. Um, Wouldn't it be a crapple? It would be a crab apple. <laughs> no, no, crapple. I uh, would. <laughs> but you know, I think in all of that, um, I kept going to. I think Vance was playing a different game in this, mm-hmm. and you know, let her talk, let her present whatever is right up front um, and be extremely prudent about it and don't tell her you don't believe a word of it. Just, okay, and in parts, he's very sincere. He would like peace. And to, you know, have every planet be able to have the things that that planet needs, but not at any cost, and just really played it so smoothly coming in of like, hey, this all sounds great. This, this, and then you're gonna have to be tried for your war crimes. That's exactly the Bam. point I was gonna get to. Is is her shields came crashing down. I, it was amazing to me that it looked like she didn't expect that, and you saw that mm-hmm. change in her instantly, where she became the Osira that everybody's been fearing. Um, and and Bill, I I thought that was a great way for that whole thing to kind of wrap up because, as Casey just said. The sincerity in Admiral Vance and talking about wanting peace and being able to to work towards that goal was really great. And then he said, but this is what you have to do. Nope, not happening. No, not happening at all. And you know what? I have never been happier to be wrong about a long-range scan. Yes, um, me, too. Vance, me too. <laughs> yeah. Vance is clearly not a bad admiral. In yeah. fact, he he is pretty Starfleet through and through, it seems. Um, not only does he talk about you know Osira having to stand for her crimes... But he talks about how you know the past needs to be there to shape our future. He's he's seeing the whole forest for the trees, and he's a hundred percent right. Yeah. Um, you know, she she can't be the outward face, and I, I think that that's Vance's coy way of letting her know. Yeah, I'm on to you. I'm not buying this for a second. He may be my favorite admiral in Star Trek. I, I just yeah, I, I just love. The actor, I love the character. I love the way he holds himself. He looks damn good in that uniform. Uniform, and uh, I hope that he's another one that we get to see more in the future. Same, yeah. As always, guys, fun stuff. I can't wait for the finale. Oh my god! Woohoo! So, folks, we want to take a moment to thank Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, and wish them all the success in the world in 2021. Every week, it is our honor and privilege to tell all of you the latest release from Fansets because we know that you want the very best Star Trek pins available. And they are always hard at work to bring you new, exciting additions 
to your ever-expanding growing collection. And the first month of 2021 is certainly no exception. Brand new for January for all you Star Trek fans is... This is the part where if we had a budget for a drum roll, we would have a drum roll. Great job. Cristobal Rios from Star Trek Picard. I'm very excited about that pin. Lieutenant Joanna Wasakun from Star Trek Discovery. And Star Trek Picard episode pin number two for maps and legends now also brand new for january for you dc fans is felicity smoke from arrow and one of my personal favorites from the batman 66 collection is the bat boat yes. i'm very excited for that yes. i don't even know if i ever saw the bat boat what? oh yeah but i will when i add it to my pin collection it's in the movie where he fights off the shark with the, oh, the, the shark the bat with shark repellent the aerosol can yeah. there you go yeah <laughs> Actually, those are all awesome pins, man, especially the Felicity Smoke one. I loved her on Arrow, and i got to finish up that series at some point because I, I haven't yet. Anyway, friends, like Bill and Casey said, Fansets has releases every single month, and you can be sure that when January 15th rolls around, we'll be announcing even more new pins for you to check out. But until then, head on over to fansets.com, put a bunch of pins and accessories in your cart, and then enter the special code word DISCOVERINGTREK in all caps with no spaces at checkout for an amazing 10% off your entire order. And don't forget that if you're in the United States and spend more than $30, you're going to get free shipping. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Well, Star Trek has always been a reflection of our times, and in this segment, as we do each week, we take a look at what this episode helped us to discover about humanity, or perhaps even what it tells us about ourselves. And this week, Bill, I think I want to start with you. Well, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, my, my. You know, uh, sensor analysis is a little different this week, and it's a it's a personal message. Dear Ken Mitchell, you know, you have no idea how truly wonderful and amazing it is to see your face on Star Trek Discovery this week. This fandom truly loves you, and I'm pretty damn sure that every single fan watching this episode felt their heart skip a little beat when your character had his first scene. And then to realize that they had crafted this character for you caused more than a tear to fall. I know it happened for me that way. This week, Ken, you yourself are the humanity in this episode, and you're 100% right. Regardless of one's disabilities, there is always possibility and ability. Aurelio is a complex and layered character, and he puts on display before us grace and a brilliant mind and a compassionate heart. He's perhaps even more layered and complex than some of the other characters we see this week. I get that it has to be on the page first, But you played those things, and the audience saw every bit of what you were trying to say through your performance. So thank you. Thank you for letting us all witness it and for your being a part of this Star Trek family. Mr. Shafsky? Opportunities. That's what came to me during this episode. Chances to be more than what we are at this particular moment. Opportunities to give opportunities to others and see if they live up to their words with their actions, and if we live up to our words with our actions. Some take advantage of an opportunity in a way that benefits everyone, while others keep the advantage for themselves. Do we hunt for the entire tribe? Do we honor our elders? Do we think about who built our roads, gathered our crops, sewed our clothing? 
do we take the opportunities that are right in front of us every day? In this episode, we saw characters have opportunities to show who they are as painful or emotional or thought-inducing as those opportunities brought forth. What opportunity is looking at me in the mirror right now, and what am I going to do about it? Is it possible to put aside years and years of conflict to bring about a better good? We like to think so, but I have to wonder if it's all realistic. Our instincts say not to trust an enemy. There's always something up their sleeve, and it, it well could be a dagger ready to be plunged into your chest. But here we have Admiral Vance having a conversation with someone who's known for brutality and duplicitousness and hoping for peace. At first, I thought he was just playing the game. But after he told Osiris she needed to face justice for her crimes and things fell apart, you could see just how much he wanted to believe that she wanted peace. He wanted to be able to bring the chain and the Federation together to end all the horrible things that the chain was known for, like slavery and terrorizing pre-warp civilizations. Knowing it wouldn't happen, he practically begged Osiris to give in and do what was right. And to me, Vance is a character that I've grown to respect and admire, and none more so than in this week's episode. Commendations, palm leaf of Axanar Peace Mission, Grand Kite Order of Tactics, Class of Excellence, Frenteris Ribbon of Commendation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for awards that mean nothing. Yeah! It's Starfleet Commendation time. Every week we like to give our thumbs up to those special performances uh, to uh, give... I don't know. Somebody came up with this idea of Starfleet combinations, and we just go with it every week. So, Bill, what do you got for us, buddy? Well, I've got to. I actually was only going to do one, and um, <laughs> I, because I, I think it's it's pretty monumental. But I actually did manage to give four commendations this week. I know when we we're supposed to pick three, I picked four. There you go. <laughs> uh, breaker. First up, I have to say Kenneth Lynn, the writer of this episode. Uh, total Starfleet combination for letting the bridge crew kick a little ass this week. I mean, it's good to see them more involved, and their escape from the ready room was just some great stuff. I thought that was a scene that worked extremely well. I can't wait to see how that gets resolved, uh, hopefully next week, um, you know, season finale and all. Uh, next, I got to say Noah Averback Katz. I have loved seeing Rin develop over this season, and I'm really sorry to see that character meet a very untimely end. If we were still doing the red shirt roll call on this podcast, we would have poured one out for Rin this week. That's all. We'll I'm do saying. it anyway. <laughs> I'm pouring one out right now, quite frankly. There you go. Um, of course, Anthony Rapp. Uh, I said it earlier. Um, I, what a great, great set of scenes for Stamets this week, both with Aurelio and with Michael Burnham. But it, originally, I was going to give a single commendation this week to Ken Mitchell. Well-deserved. Um, I, I think that my message to Ken said it all, but um, it, it is just really, really great to see him back in Star Trek Discovery. Nice. I like all of those, uh, even though you went over. I stuck to the rules, Bill, and I went with three. <laughs> oh, c- congratulations. <laughs> yes. Wow. Uh, first one, uh, I got to give accommodation to uh, Oded Fair. I have, from the first time he showed up this season, I was so excited because I loved him and all the stuff I've seen him in. He is the epitome of Starfleet. The way he holds himself, the way that he holds Federation values um, is really something that people 
watching Discovery can grab onto. And I think he's done a stellar job. I am, like you said earlier, Bill, I am so glad that your long range scan about him being a bad role appears to not be at all true because it, that would have been extremely disappointing for me. So um, I hope that we get to see more of him uh, after next week's finale because he's just fantastic. Uh, also going to repeat what you said, Ken Mitchell. Uh, just was amazing to see him back in Star Trek, and I love uh, what the writers and the producers of the show did so that they could bring Ken back in a way that worked and wasn't just some silly way to get somebody back in the show. Uh, it really worked what they did, and his performance was absolutely stellar. And as I said earlier, this week's biggest commendation for me was Anthony Rapp. His performance was the best we have seen on Star Trek Discovery in the three seasons of the show. I love the character. I love the actor. And letting him let loose the way that he did in those final scenes with Burnham shows the um, the depth of character that this character has, if that makes sense. So big thumbs up to Anthony Rapp. I can't wait to see him again at a convention so I can specifically thank him for such a wonderful performance for this specific episode. Casey? Right on. Well, I give you a commendation for sticking with the three commendations, man. So <laughs> there you go. Breaking the rules again. I I give a commendation to the entire episode itself because it's hard to be the Jan Brady of episodes when you're working on a trilogy of a finale. Um, I was intrigued by this episode it, it kept me involved in everything so accommodation for everybody working on that uh shanika martin green noah Everett by cats anthony rap all three of them i'm not going to go over anything for anthony rap because you guys have done it so well but i mean our our lead shanika martin green our serial lead here kicks as in this episode emotionally physically yeah, you know, she gives a, a Kirk kick to the face, <laughs> takes a literal knife to the leg and a figure of knife to the heart. Um, and we finally, you know, get to see somebody actually purged from an airlock after countless threats of, you know, p- toss him out of the airlock. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, you know, Averbeck Cats, I, ah, I keep going back to a character that I thought was going to be kind of hollow and throw away Zara. Um, and for me, that this, you know, this guy is like, I care about this character. And there's uh, an arc yeah. to what happens with him. And that, I guess I like it so much because it was so surprising to me that this would happen. And boy, uh, losing him. Yeah, I hope there's a twin in the future with Antennae intact that's it for commendations this week that's it you had four two you don't count you count as one you're my gold star (laughs) thank you long range scan of planet complete well, every episode, we like to take a long, good look into the Bajoran Orb of Prophecy to try and determine what the future will hold for the crew of the Discovery. We only have one week left. Now, we're usually wrong, but every now and then we will get one right. So what is next for Discovery, uh, guys, whether it's um, next week or next season? I guess let's find out. Casey, what do you got? Well, I I think that, and this is for this season, that um, we're we're gonna get some well-known ships and peoples coming back to help out the Federation. Um, I'm hoping we get some Kelpian ships along with that. 
Um, I'm also thinking that maybe that the Dilithium planet will have its resources given throughout the galaxy by the Federation to rebuild goodwill and bring back former members to the Federation. And someone not named Burnham returns. Interesting. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Bill, what do you got, man? Well, I'm going to say that Mama Burnham is going to bring the combined forces of Navarre to save her daughter and the crew of the USS Discovery. And that's going to be what gets the band back together. The United Federation mm. of Planets is going to get a little closer to whole by the end of next week, I think. And uh, I, I think that's the right thing at this point of the season. Well, you know, for me, over the course of the three seasons on Discovery, we have seen a lot of loss. And it seems that Michael has lost so much more over the course of the show. She lost her parents, kind of. She lost Philippa. She lost Spock. She lost Ash. And then she lost Philippa again. Um, And next week, I think she's going to lose Book. Uh, You know, he's a a major character. Um, I, I, I tend to think that a major character is not going to survive next week. Um, and to, um, think about what Saru said is he will have his moment. I think next week might be the moment and I think it's going to cost him his life. He's going to sacrifice himself to save Michael and the rest of the discovery crew. So one might say that this season would be book ended uh, if that character meets oh. his demise. <laughs> wow. <laughs> is, is, is this episode of us ended yet? <laughs> you know, we only have one episode, but you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> but but Casey, here's some great news. Bill uh-huh. might not be. No, Bill will be back here next week. You're going to be back next week also. <gasps> um, what do we got going on next week, buddy? Oh, my gosh. Next week, as the Emerald Chain tightens its grip and the mystery of the burn is finally solved. Burnham and the crew have one last chance to save themselves and the Federation. It's a full round table as Sarah, Dan, Bill, and I together to discuss what is sure to be an amazing Star Trek Discovery season three season finale that hope is you part two. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or by heading to discoveringtrek.com. You know, if you enjoy what we're doing here on Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, we'd ask that you please consider supporting us on Patreon. As a subscriber, you can get access to the unedited recordings of episodes, as well as exclusive content and great subscriber rewards, like our annual supporters pins from our friends at Fansets and our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt, among other things. We would like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek, and we are so thankful for their support. Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Al Godwin, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Tony Lambast, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. If you'd like to become a producer of Discovering Trek, or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. So, uh, Casey, if anybody wants to send you a message on Twitter for breaking the rules for uh, Starfleet commendations, where can they reach you, pal? That would be Casey Shafsky. That's it, man. That's all. That's all. 
or carrier pigeon, crow, raven. Those work as well. Right. Bill? Yeah. Um, oh, none of those work for me. I'm honestly amazed that Casey's Twitter handle isn't Sunshine Band. I'm just going to say that right off the bat. It was uh, on taken. Twi- <laughs> on Twitter, I can be found at Trek Geek Bill. And of course, you can always find me lurking about our official Facebook group on the Book of Faces, Camp Kittimer, where um, we run pretty much the most positive Facebook group on the planet, Tim. Absolutely. No bashing, no gatekeeping. You can find me on Camp Kittimer all the time. I'm on Twitter, at TrekGeekDan. Send us your messages. Send us what you thought of the episode. Tell us what you think about uh, Bill and Casey breaking the rules. They love it. it. Uh, They do love it. I'm sure they do. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's going to do it for us for this week in our discussion on episode 12. There is a tide. 23 straight weeks of new Star Trek is about to wrap up with next week's finale, and it looks like it's going to be an amazing ride. As always, we thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to us talk about this amazing new chapter in the Star Trek universe each and every week. We wouldn't be here without your support, and we thank you so very much. We'll be back next week to discuss That Hope Is You, Part 2, and we hope you'll join us. Until then, here are some words of wisdom from Philippa Giorgio. Sometimes the universe allows for the making of unexpected memories. And until next week, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.